All right, so we're doing a series called Kryptonite. And so, I, and I know uh, some of you are here uh, because you were invited and for the tr trunk or treating thing. But let me catch you up just a little bit. So the first message we gave, we said um, all of us are actually hidden heroes from God's perspective. And we're hidden actually from ourselves. And we said, you know, that's why we went with the hero theme. Um, um, in case you didn't recognize it, the hero theme, superheroes. And we said every superhero has to do three things. They have to figure out their true identity, right? Who am I? I didn't know I was that guy. And they have to figure out their unknown powers and develop them. And they have to devote themselves to a purpose greater than themselves, right? And we said, now, here's the cool thing, that when we get to know God a little bit, those are exactly the things that God wants to say to us. He goes, I want you to know who you really, really are. Because I think you might be misfiring on that. Who, you who I made you to be. I want you to know your true identity. And he goes, and I want you to know that I've made you with certain abilities. You're different than the person next to you. And you're different from anybody else. And you're born at the right time, the right place to do some things that are from me for you to do. Right? And, and, and then he says, and I want you to know there's more to live for, despite what apathy guy said, than just this life. That I have something to invite you into that is greater than yourself. In fact, it's even greater than all of us. Right? And, and this is God's invitation to us. And I want to, when you start reading scripture, by the way, when you start reading through the Bible, looking for, okay, where does he reveal our true identity? When does he show us what our, our powers or abilities are? And when, where does he reveal to you our great purpose? It's going to start jumping out of scripture at you as you start to read. So let me just show you one passage where it does for me. It's Ephesians 2.10. It says this. For we are God's masterpiece. What's that? That's your true identity. You, God says, you are my masterpiece. I created, you may not think much of yourself. You may have been, you may have been told some misinformation that you're garbage, that you're stupid, that you're dumb, that you're fat, that you're too tall, that you're too skinny. Whatever it is that the message of the world is giving to you. You need to know that is all garbage because God put it in writing that we are his masterpiece. Now, we might be tarnished. We might have some recovery to do, but God says, no, 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 no. You are still my masterpiece. And it goes on to say, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So what's our identity? We're God's masterpiece. What's our greater purpose? To do what God has designed us to do. And it's not in this passage, but I will tell you that that. If God's going to give us a purpose and things he wants us to do, he's certainly going to give us the ability to do them. We're not going to have to go, oh, I just didn't have that in my toolbox. No, God will, and they need to be developed, but we have those, those kids. So I just want you to see how our identity and our greater purpose and, and, and our gifts and abilities all kind of comes together. As you read scripture, start looking for that. So that was our very first message. We identified that we have the potential to be God's superheroes here on this earth. And then we said, now there's, what we need to know is there's some kryptonites Right? That's the thing that sucks away all Superman's power. And, and everyone has something that can suck away your power, your identity, who you really are. In fact, that's what kryptonites do. They interfere with knowing who we are and with doing those very good things that God has called us to do. Anything that in our lives that takes away the strength of our identity in Christ or takes away our ability, desire to do the good things he's called us to do is a functioning kryptonite to us. And it will get in the way of us being those superheroes. So we started talking about what are some of those kryptonites, and we said, well, number one is you try to go on your own. Solo hero, we weren't made for that. We are made to do things in teams and with community and people, and God always sent people out two by two at the very least, 
He never sent anybody out on their very own. It was always a team thing. Then we talked about fear and how fear paralyzes us. And how do we wrestle with that and overcome it? And then last week, I already told you, we talked about dabbling. That there's some things in Scripture that, that the Bible calls sin, because not because God's just arbitrarily saying that's wrong, but because God wants our very best and wants to protect our identities and help us do the things that we're called to do and to step into that. So those, were th those are all online. You can go on to crosswindschurch.com. You can click on messages. You can listen to any of those messages. Today we're going to talk about our fourth kryptonite. It's kind of a weird one. It's just called the couch. Right? So when you look at that picture, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Doug, that's not a couch. That is not a, that's not a couch. Now this is a couch. Right? I would totally agree. I wish that was a picture of my couch. That's how, that, that's where I am. So when we say couch, you're thinking, well, that's just a place to sit in your living room. All of us have a couch. What do you mean it's a, it's a kryptonite? Well, the thing is, it's not really the couch. It's the couch is a symbol of my comfort, my entertainment, my security. It's a, it's a cozy, safe place, and my apathy. Right? So couches, to be clear, couches are not evil. You do not have to go home and say, Doug told me I had to burn my couch tonight, and you take it outside. <laughs> you don't have to torture your couch, okay? But they can be dangerous to my spiritual health. They can be dangerous because they can get in the way of me knowing who I am and doing the things God has called me to do, right? I mean, can you imagine if Superman had a couch or a really, really comfortable chair? What could happen? <laughs> I mean, you look at you, my favorite part of this, and someone else pointed out, I love the hairs around the belly button. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just awesome. He's just, but that's the symbol. He's no longer, would he be a superhero if he just couched it all the time? The answer is, of course not. In the same way, the couch can interfere with our ability to be, to be the people God has called us to be, to do the things that God has shown us we can do. And that goes for, by the way, no matter where you are in your faith journey or lack of faith journey, this is true for you. You may not even believe what I'm saying, but it is nevertheless true for you. This is the invitation of God to make a difference. So the couch is a symbol of my comfort, my entertainment, my security, and my apathy. And when it comes to the couch, you need to know, right, that we're not the first to struggle with it. We're not the first generation of earth ever to make ourselves comfortable, right? So I'm going to introduce you to a book that we rarely go to across. In fact, Jeff said, have you ever preached on the book of Amos before, right? And, and I said, you know, no, I can't remember. You know, I'm, I don't mean to ignore parts of God's Bible, but we haven't done it probably. So here's what you need to know about Amos. Amos, by the way, was not a professional prophet. Right, his, his idea, he was, a sh he was just like a shepherd. That's, and then God interrupted him, and for about a year maybe, just a year, he was a prophet of God. He spoke out, and maybe it was like a one-year ministry, but when he lived with 70 feet, uh, 753 B.C., so before Christ, about 753 years, uh, he was speaking to people who were 14 generations of kings after David. Right, remember great King David? Now, now go 14 the kingdom has divided north and south like God told David it would after David and Bathsheba had their deal. We talked about that last week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's such a cool story. Get, go listen to last week's message. And this is 30 years. So Jeroboam II is the king of, north, of Israel, which is the northern kingdom. And this is 30 years before Israel is taken into exile by, by the Assyrians. So, so the northern kingdom is no more. 
30 years from now. They take them by everybody. They just force march them all the way to Syria. All right? Israel and Judah, north and south kingdoms, are prospering at this point in time. But the rich are getting richer, and the poor have even less. Right? I just don't like to say poorer because it's a hard word for me to say, but that's what's happening there. The people of God were not living like the people of God. And this was, this was a problem. So Amos comes on the scene, and God gives him words to say, and I want to warn you before we get into this. This is not, you, you could take this personally, ladies especially, so be careful with this one. He's not saying this to you. He's saying it to the people of that day, but it might apply to all of us. Okay? Because I just got to warn you, it's going to be harsh. You're going to go, really? Amos said that? He preached that out loud to everybody? So here's what it says. Listen to me, you fat cows living in Samaria. You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy. By the way, I promise you, every woman was saying, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? When did I go out and crush the poor? When did I oppress the needy? Right? And he goes, and who are always calling to your husbands, bring us another drink. By the way, I think I first heard about this passage when I was about 17. I've never forgotten these verses, right? They're so colorful. You just see the woman on the couch, right? And she's yelling at her husband, I'd like another glass of wine, please, you know, and, and the schmuck goes and gets it, right? So bring us another drink. I like how she speaks in plural, too. Anyway, so the sovereign Lord, now this is speaking again, has sworn this by his holiness. You can count on what I'm about to say. He's sworn this by his holiness. The time will come when you, ladies and smuck husbands, you will be led away with hooks in your noses. Every last one of you will be dragged away like a fish on a hook. You will be led out through the ruins of the wall. This fortress that you've built will be destroyed. And you will be led out, and, 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 and this is the forced march that the Assyrians had for them, right? The forced march. You will be thrown out from your fortresses, said the Lord. Go ahead and offer, this is getting sarcastic, offer sacrifices to the idols at Bethel. Go, keep on disobeying at Gilgal. So there's, he's saying, go ahead and keep on worshiping false gods because that's what you're doing. You know, Offer sacrifices each morning and bring your tithes every three days. Present your bread made with yeast. Yeast was a symbol of sin woven in to everything. You can't get it out, right? So go ahead and make you, you know, present your bread made with yeast as offerings of thanksgiving. Then give your extra voluntary offerings so that you can brag about it everywhere. And here's what he closes this part with. He says, this is the kind of thing you Israelites love to do. And he said, close it with, says the sovereign Lord. Can you imagine hearing that message? If I gave that message, you would not be here next week. <laughs> I promise you that. So this is the kind of thing you Israel, this is God saying. He didn't say, he didn't say, oh, I've heard your cries, you poor Israelites. Remember when he said that before when he saved them from slavery? Oh, you're my people and I'm your God. He didn't say that. He goes, you Israelites, I don't even know you guys anymore. You're not the people. They lost their identity. They lost their leadership. They couldn't be the people God had called them to be. Now I'm going to jump to chapter 5. So you can, and, and it almost picks up like, if I wouldn't have told you, you would have thought he was just keeping on talking. But you can go read the detail yourself. But here's what happens next. 
God goes on and says, I hate all your show and pretense. The hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I hate how you do church. That's kind of what he's saying. I hate how you do church, how you sing your songs, how you do your festivals. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Right? I'm not even sure what a choice peace offering is. Apparently there's a second class peace offering. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. And today he'd say or your drums and your guitar. Just a lot of noise to me. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice. Because you're oppressing the poor. And the rich are getting richer. And the poor are getting trampled. I want to see a mighty flood of right living. An endless liver, of, uh, excuse me, so I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. You should always read it and never try to just ad-lib there, all right? <laughs> What's he saying? I want to see you start living like you belong to me again. I want to see your behavior match your identity, and you've forgotten your identity. And I'm telling you, because it's not that way, I'm going to give you a very painful reminder. I'm going to take you as a people, I'm going to put you in a foreign land, dominated, and, and maybe then you'll turn. Now, aren't you glad when you read that passage? Doesn't it make you happy inside? What do you mean, Doug? Why would I be happy inside? Well, aren't you glad that God can't be bribed or manipulated by music and offerings? Aren't you glad when we come and sing to God or we give money to the offering plate or we do any, teach Sunday school? Or, aren't you glad that it's not to win God's favor? That God isn't bought with that way? That's not the way he he operates. Right? I will reject your music is nothing to me. Your worship is nothing to me. I want to see righteousness. Aren't you glad that's true about God, that he loves justice and right living? Now, this may be an economic divide. If, if, if you're wealthy and doing well, you may go, well, it's not that important to me because I got it all. If you're on the poor side and you feel like you've been oppressed somewhere in your life, you're going to go, that's hope for me. That's hope for me. I'm absolutely glad God loves justice and and right living. I wish we had more of it around here. Aren't you glad that God cares about the poor and those who feel powerless? I am. That's the God I want to worship. That's the God I want to follow. That's the God I want to to be in charge of everything. Because everything I have and all the power I have in my life that I feel like I have is an illusion. Gone in a moment, a day. I want a a God who cares about the poor because at my heart, no matter how much money I have, I'm poor. I want a God who cares about the poor because I know whatever power I think I have is nothing and I am powerless. Aren't you glad God gives a chance for change? A chance to repent? Because when you hear the prophets say, you fat cows of Samaria with your little smuck husbands. The reason he's saying it isn't because he's so angry. The reason he's saying it is to give them a chance to change. Why else would you warn them? Just have the Assyrians come, grab them, take them away. You don't have, why make that big speech, God? And the reason he makes all the speeches he makes, and you didn't know this about God, everything God does is consistent with his love for us. When, when Jesus confronts the Pharisees, and he, he was brutal with them, right? You guys are like whitewashed tombs. You're liars. You're hypocrites. 
You teach people with such a burden for the law, like there's no way, you're going you're gonna to be so sorry someday. He's telling them all those things. He's doing it, even though it doesn't read like it, he's doing it out of love. Why? Because he wants them to change. Otherwise, why waste any breath on the Pharisees at all? See, the couch is what those women and those men were succumbing to. They were, they were making themselves comfortable at the expense of others. They were only worried about their security, their comfort, and they weren't doing anything. And, and that becomes the problem. Not just for them, but it becomes my problem, for me personally. By the way, let me just come clean with you. I have at my house the most wonderful couch. And I'm going to, tonight, when I get home, my wife's going to say, hey, let's clean something. <laughs> and I'm going to look at her going, no, 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 honey. I was at church at 7 a.m., like 9, really, 7 a.m., and I went through, it was such a hard day getting this message ready, and I gave that message, and I stood out in the cold with those trunk-or-treaters, which I'm not really going to do, but thank you for doing that. And then... <laughs> And then, you know, there are so many things today, and I'm wiped out. And what I need to do, what I need to do is right here on this leather couch that is a full layout mode with the TV at the exact right angle, with my little remote, click, click. And by the way, right now the Minnesota Gophers are probably losing to the Iowa State whoever, right? But I will see if they actually lost. I will turn, I'm recording that as we speak here to you tonight because I'm not apathetic about the University of Minnesota, but I will be after the game actually starts and I see the score. <laughs> so what's the problem with that? Why is that? And, and it's not always wrong, but because we should rest. We, we should have margins for work. I'm not, don't go burn your couches, right? But here's the problem. If I'm too much time in the couch, it makes me passive. When I lay around, I want to lay around more. My comfort becomes my mission. And that's what was going on in Amos's day. That's what he was upset about. You guys are making yourself so comfortable. Your, your mission, the one you're supposed to have from God and his people, has been replaced by a new mission, and that is the rich people are in control. And they go, we just want to be more comfortable. Uh, bring me another drink, husband. Right? And I forget with the couch that I am a masterpiece of God, that that is my identity, and that I'm created not to lay on the couch, but I'm created to do good things. Now, let me pause just here for a moment for a quick warning. For those of you who have high Christian guilt about all the things you do, and you're going to walk out of this message if you're not careful. You're going, oh, I lay on the couch too much, and you're like, never on the couch. I got to do more. I got to do more. I heard Doug's message on the people of God. I got to do more. No, 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 no. We do what God has called us to do, but God's not calling us. Jesus said his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Come on. It's not about burning yourself out for Jesus in the next 10 days. This is not what this message is. But for those of us who have become, what's the word, couch potatoes, I guess, huh? <laughs> Spiritually speaking, this might be a wake-up call, right? So why is the couch such a, such a kryptonite is because here's what I've noticed when I'm on the couch. That's why I put it in green, kryptonite, right? When I spoil myself, I want to spoil myself rotten, right? 
when I take time away from exercising, this is just, okay, so let's just come clean. This whole summer, I never went to the club, hardly at all, because I invested in the godly sport of golf. <laughs> and I put on 12 pounds. <laughs> no, they're right here. You can, you can see that, right? When I take away time from exercising to lay on the couch or do the things I want to do, do you know how hard it is for me right now to go back? I mean, I had to force myself today. And the only reason I did is because I know I was going to talk about it with you. So <laughs> tomorrow morning, I'll be there at 7 a.m. You want to meet me at the athletic club? I'll be there because I have two more services to brag about this, okay? <laughs> when I take time off from exercising, it's so hard to go back to it. Right? When I eat junk food, okay, I just bought a bag two weeks ago. <laughs> it's been gone for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I told Lori, hey, Lori, look for the Orioles when you go to the store. She looked at me and she goes, no. <laughs> you know? Before that, it had been months since I had even an Oreo cookie. Right? But I have a whole bag, almost exclusively meat. <laughs> Took about three days. And, uh, when I finish that bag, what do I want? I want another freaking bag of Oreo cookies. <laughs> because when I spoil myself, I want to spoil myself more. And it's harder to stop. When I go to self-pity land, I want to live there. Because it is so fun to feel sorry for me. And it keeps me from doing anything else for anyone else when I live there. When I, take it, take it the right way, when I skip, I'm just telling you the truth, this is me, when I skip church, which I don't do often because I get paid to come, when I skip church, <laughs> when I skip small group, when I skip praying, when I skip reading the Bible, when I skip out on serving and take breaks from all that stuff, right? It's all couch stuff. It is so hard to get back to it. This is why we get nervous when you miss even one week we get nervous. We don't, we don't keep score. We don't, but if you just tell me, yeah, I missed church last week, I'm just a little nervous because now what about next week? And when you, those of you who bought cabins, we're praying for you. <laughs> right? Because it means we're not, or boats. We're not going to see you in the summertime hardly at all. And then will you come back in the fall? And I'm just telling you, it's hard to come back. You feel out of it. You feel disconnected because you've been, you've been doing couch stuff in a sense. The couch is about me, loving me. And I'm not talking about the loving me that's just a good high self-esteem. That's fine. All of us should do that. You should love yourself. You were created by God. You're a masterpiece in God. Love yourself. But don't spend your life loving yourself exclusively. Right? Now let me jump to an, an, another passage. Matthew 22. Jesus and the religious leaders are talking. The religious leaders are pumming, you know, pounding questions towards him. And, and he finishes one group, and he starts with the next group. And here's what it says. One of them, an expert in religious law, he was a Pharisee, and that's the, in parentheses is me, um, tried to trap Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Let me rephrase that for you. When it comes to all the to-dos, what's the most important to-do? Right? What shouldn't I skip out on? And Jesus replied, come on, you know this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He didn't say keep the commandments. 
He didn't say, make sure you tithe every week. He didn't say, don't miss church. He said, love God. Love God. And then he went on and he said, this is the first and greatest commandment. But there's a second one that is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And, the, and the conversation goes, who's my neighbor? But it's, it's, it's everyone. It could just say, love others. Love other human beings because God loves them. Because everybody's creating the image of God. Because everybody is a masterpiece. Love others. Love God. Love others. Now listen to what he says. The entire law, all the to-dos in the Bible, and all the demands, all the to-dos from all the prophets, Amos included, are based on these two commandments. Right? So, so all the details and all the different laws spit out, it really comes down to if you love God, love, love, love God, and you love others, you won't have to ask what I should do. Because it's covered. You'll just start to go, so what is it? How do I love this person? How do I love God? And you start living that out without the fear. You start to live in love. So everything God wants us to do is covered by love. Love God and love others. So what I've noticed is it's hard for me to love others from the couch. Because I like to be so comfortable. It's just hard to love other people it's even hard to love God. You know what's easy to love from the couch? My couch. Man, I love this couch, right? Now, I'm not the first person to figure this out, right, that the couch can suck you into a vacuum of self-absorption, of comfort and apathy. You know, in fact, you don't even have to be a Christian to know this is true. The people at Friends figured it out. The people who made the television show Friends, right? You remember season two, episode 15, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, if you don't remember it, let me just show you a little bit of it because you're going to see what happens when people get really comfortable with their furniture. Don't lose the point, all right? When I show you stuff like that, it's hard for me to love others from the couch. Those people came in, they didn't even know they were in. They wouldn't turn around. They wouldn't look at them. You should come outside and be with the three-dimensional people, right? And they're just so glued into their comfort. Let me just remind you, this is not really about a couch. It's not about the couch at all. It's about me seeing the people and not seeing their needs. How can I do what God wants me to do if I'm not seeing them and their needs? The view from the couch doesn't allow right, it. No peeking. I've got one more video. No peeking. No peeking. No peeking. <laughs> All right, open your eyes. It's about me not seeing the people, not seeing their needs. Which one is mine? Stepping up because the Whichever one you want, man. You. Whichever one you want. So not so that one. Let me tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> I'll just show you. I will be coming. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's the stuff. <laughs> we smile. Do we dare? We but did. man, I don't want to meet Amos in heaven and go, oh. hey, it's not there. Quite simply, wow. Look at that. The, the car is on fire, yet somehow its expensive paint job is protected by the, the miracle. You've got to cheat on your face, man. Oh, God's called me to be a